you know, a few years later, I, I drove, you know, just, just, just for fun, went for a drive around all the villages and stuff. I know, I'm just blown away by how awesome they are. I just remember, it was, all, it was all coming back to me. Me and my friends used to go on bike rides and all the things, you know, it was just, it's lovely around there and you just don't appreciate yeah. it when you're a kid. Well, you don't, because it's what life. you know, that's what you've got. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Ollie. Hello, Ollie. Hello, Dave. <laughs> it's funny how that, like, people who've heard the show before now, it's, well, I don't know if you have, you might not have done, but they kind of aware of that it's almost become a catchphrase the it, the intro of the show which is a bit weird well it, hello dave is already a catchphrase isn't it that is true that is a catchphrase from i had to really Wolf. restrain myself from ripping into it but uh, no I've, nobody said that before no. you're right and i should know that because I, I love red dwarf um red dwarf yeah. i wasn't even thinking of red dwarf what were you thinking oh you I were was thinking, thinking of of, uh, of course where it came from originally which is 2001 yeah i wasn't even thinking of that what were you thinking? i was thinking of uh, league of gentlemen Hello! Wow, Hello Dave's been used in lots of places. Yeah. yeah. Weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. Well, that's <laughs> they're all dead, Dave. Isn't it from the? Uh, from oh yeah, the Dave's dead. They're all dead. Yeah, that would have been a weird intro to the show, though. Well, it it probably will be the intro to the show. Yeah. It's weird. I feel like the need to apologise for the state of my room because I've not done a conversation in this for in in my room for a long time actually the most recent ones I've been on location all the time and normally it's at the moment it's very full of stuff it's, and it's quite interesting actually I, I like this room it's uh I don't know what is it it's uh it's a story of your life isn't it it is a bit the story in a of billion life. objects it it kind of is like that yeah it's, it's got a lot of amps and keyboards and, and and equipment in so I guess it looks kind of I don't know I don't feel too kind of ashamed by it it's not kind of dirty mess but it's it's normally a little yeah. bit more kind of spruced up for guests so apologies for that Absolutely. the first question that i ask people is what do you do now for a living or however anything, you want to interpret it well i do very little else so um i am a quantity surveyor that entails working in construction people generally don't know what a quantity surveyor is um although I think it's pretty simple really if you've got an architect they design buildings engineers various types of engineers they make sure it doesn't fall down basically and a quantity surveyor will tell you how much it'll cost so it's kind of the least glamorous element I suppose but it's quite necessary if you so you, you kind of work out the the money the money yeah yeah the money are you kind of are you good <laughs> with money personally you know, I'm terrible I'm getting better actually as I get older I'm starting to realize I can't be uh, it's so wasteful but um no for a long time I've been pretty terrible uh but you know, I'm, you know, but you could do a maps, I guess. Oh uh, yeah, areas, quantities, generally quantities. is includes in the name. I suppose I'm okay <laughs> with that. But um, yeah, I'm okay. Don't ask me about long division. I usually use a calculator. You know? Yeah, and Excel. I love Excel. And, and so your job generally involves a lot of spreadsheets. Yes, it is essentially one big spreadsheet. Yeah. Do you do you find it interesting? Uh, I do. Yes, although it does bring you into contact with a lot of assholes. You know, uh, the, the construction industry. In some respects, some people are great. Some people are. Uh, a little bit of a, a throwback. Um, also, clients, you know, can be uh, difficult sometimes. You know, they kind of one of our clients is a major retailer. They don't always behave in the most ethical way. You know, that kind of thing. So it does throw up a few conundrums. But generally, yeah, it's good. It's hard to find a job that doesn't, in a way. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. I think. What, how did you end up being doing that? It's pretty pathetic, really. Um, I did it because my dad was one 
I'm not in the family family business or anything, but uh, I was I was kind of mooching around. I finished my A levels and I, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I was doing some uh, work experience, and basically everyone there, I was doing work experience with Cadu, who are basically the Welsh equivalent of uh, English heritage, and everyone there was just uh, basically saying. Why do you want to be an archaeologist? It's ridiculous. There are, there are no jobs. There are literally no jobs. I kind of employ something like four archaeologists who've all been in the job for about 30 years each kind of thing. Uh, there just aren't any jobs. So I kind of thought, oh, this doesn't sound like a good idea. So um, I was just kicking around for a year, not really knowing what to do, and um, basically did what my dad did because I had no other options. It's, it's okay. It's worked out well. Yeah. Well, bit, mean, of a, bit of a luck, fluke. How people end up in their jobs, though, is... I, I don't know. Sometimes... Sometimes they go all around the houses, and sometimes they really decide to do it, and other times it just happens to them. It's just, it just it seems very random how people yeah. end up. Like, I, I never knew... I, I would never have predicted that I would be an early years library outreach worker. <laughs> I never would have predicted that I would end up working with kids. It wasn't, oh, no. Certainly, the kind of writing I've always done has been highly adult, and uh, it's slightly surreal to be to find that I can do... that I actually am quite good at working with kids... Even though I, you know, always worried that, you know, if somebody finds something that I've written online with one of the parents, they're going to be very shocked awkward, or whatever. Possibly. But, but, I mean, I don't think, you know, in a, in a perfect world, there wouldn't be that, that, you know, we'd accept that people can be good with kids and write adult stuff. Do you know what I mean? That's mm. not, I don't think that's a, that's a weird thing. The, what I've done, I just realised, is for the first time in the podcast, history. So you're in, you, 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 you're... I've made history. I've, I've done the first two questions <laughs> in the wrong way around. Uh, the, so the first question that I normally ask, which I'm asking you second, is how do you know me? Ah, well, that is a marginally more interesting story than how I became a quantity surveyor. <laughs> um, um, basically, my friend Jack, a previous star of his podcast. I'm yeah, well, probably pe- previous, maybe future. I don't Fe- know. Who knows, yeah. Which and, and put it in, up yet. other half of the plural, yeah. checking out kids. He, I was friends with him and he spotted an ad on uh, the website Gumtree, um, posted by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, calling all musicians, basically. Uh, he wanted to form a big band. Yep. And Jack knew that I played trumpet. So uh, he invited me along. And uh, that's where I met you. It was uh, a dingy little rehearsal room off Tottenham Court Road. And, Enterprise um, Studios. It was, it was, uh, Don't use them if you've got an option. I no, think. but if you want to... But it, also, it's so a, grungy and disgusting. It was lovely. There was it a was, mystique to it. It really was. The sweaty basement. Well, it we was, smoked at the beginning. We did. We, everyone sat there and smoked and drank. Yeah, it was uh, it was a real release from being a quantity surveyor, and it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it was and just like booze, sweat, you so were sweating like beer, and you were. I was smoking a lot. And yeah, it was just like a well, that that I, I think so. I, I was so I was in a band with you called Apples for Everyone. That's right. Um, so I think I think I think that was the kind of glory days, wasn't it? Almost like that. That's run up to the first gig. That was really interesting because we, we could have been anything. We could have. There was. Yeah. I think I counted them up once. There was something like thirty-five or forty different members of the band. Yeah. They came and went, you know, it was a bit like Spinal Tap. It disappeared, didn't it? It disappeared, yeah. yeah. People came for a couple of rehearsals, because it was all on Gumtree, of course, and eventually it sort of settled down and we played a gig and uh, and then, then the tension started. Yeah, that cemented the lineup, really, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, the first gig onwards and then, yeah. And Things changed, like lineups changed, but you're yeah. right, I know what you mean. I remember coming back from those early rehearsals and just like lying in bed and it would be like after midnight and I'd have to get up at 6.30 the next day and I'd be mm. like I'd be like still sweating booze and smoke out like yeah. just really drunk but just feeling I don't know something I it, don't know, no it was awesome it was, it was really because exci- yeah, sometimes I'd finish at work early and I, I'd go to um, like a coffee shop just um off Charing Cross Road and, and kind of I'd be sitting there and, and it was getting dark because it was, it was autumn or something wasn't it I think yeah and uh, the buses would kind of rumble past and the 
the floor would shake a little bit and I was kind of reading a magazine or something and it just I, did, I was just just really looking forward to this kind of thing and it was great yeah it was really really good yeah um, and it's a shame we can't sort of do uh, I, it's not something you can really go back to I think it was it was that was it really yeah wasn't it? it's hard isn't it and I wouldn't I, mean, wa- I wouldn't really want to do it again because you never know really what kind of nut is going to turn up off the internet no <laughs> it was it was a very hard thing to predict and I think it was an interesting experiment as well because we all did have such different backgrounds and, and such different mm. lives and we had more or less amounts of time we could devote to the band and all sorts yeah. of things and I think that's in the early days it didn't matter it didn't matter at all no. because you don't, like you say it was like pick and mix you never knew what you were going to yeah. get and unfortunately I think over time it became a compromise which yeah. I think was kind of inevitable yeah. um, and it just and people also fell out and moved away and whatever else but uh yeah, those those first sort of I don't know it was almost a year, wasn't it? Almost before we played a gig, I suppose. Yeah, um, that was yeah, it was great. And you played the trumpet. Trumpet, yeah. Um, I have pretensions at playing the guitar, but really I know about four chords. But you play um, well. You write really good songs, I think. Well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, so that so that 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 was actually yeah actually on that on that note, I mean, I'd I'd never really done that before before joining the band, and like, I think for people you know, myself and people like Haley as well, and Henry and other people in the band, uh, it was always it was that kind of little push that we needed sometimes to, to actually do something a bit more creative and, and uh, yeah, just get involved. And um, because there's kind of that, always that thought, maybe I'm, I'm, you know, I don't really want to try that. I'm not that good or whatever. Yeah. So, so the, the band was a good, um, a good catalyst, I think for, for a lot yeah, of things. I think so. I mean, it was nice as well seeing people who hadn't necessarily written songs before, like trying, mm, mm. like everybody, like a band camp, everybody pretty much who went to band camp wrote a song. Yeah. Like yeah. even Richard, the drummer at the time. Yeah. He wrote a song, and uh, that was the first song he wrote. That was really good, wasn't it? I can't even remember. I liked it. Was, it was quite... Um, what was it called? Oh, I can't remember. It was like a love song. It was. It and was it quite was, epic, wasn't yeah, it? it was epic, it was big, and he, he was singing it on and playing the drums, even though he didn't want to sing it. Yeah, I, I didn't remember. It was quite good. He had yeah. a good voice, I thought, yeah. And it was... Yeah, that was... And it was a... It was a kind of a bit Led Zeppelin or... Like, <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was kind of... There was a prog element to it, which yeah. I didn't mind, actually, and I, I don't always like that kind of music, mm. but I, I liked the epicness of it. Yeah, it's a shame that we can somehow make that thing work, but it just... I it wasn't... I don't know, I hate... It wasn't practical, really, was it? I mean, the, the gigs were fairly often quite shambolic, and, you know, the equipment didn't work. And there were too we were, many of us. There were too many of us. You know, the, the I, venues that would book us just didn't have the equipment to handle 15 or whatever people. And I don't think as a rule and, we were skilled enough as musicians no. to carry it. No. But I think if we'd have all been really good musicians, we probably could. Like, a lot of the yeah. time we were setting ourselves jobs that we just couldn't do. Like, the early days, Apples, we had so many different genres of music mm. and we couldn't do any of them well. <laughs> and so we were trying yeah. to do, like, a prog song and then a folk song and then a rap and then a whatever. A scar, and, yeah. Yeah, scar. Yeah. And, some of them work better than others, but we, yeah. you know, we, we 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 couldn't just settle on one. And then we—that's the last, the last kind of phase of the band. We did settle on a sound. Didn't we? we did, but unfortunately, I think by then we kind of had run out of steam a little bit. Yeah, we? so that was I a shame. That's true. But uh, it, yeah, I suppose it was inevitable, really. I mean, yeah, what can you do? Have you done anything since? Apple? Not, not really. I mean, um, me and Jack had a little dalliance, um, but. Uh, Nothing really came of that, and um, I, I, I would, you know, kind of half thinking about stuff, and it's been a little while since I've done stuff, and and then we kind of had a, a little jam, and I, I hate jams, but we did, we, that's what we did, and I have to face up to it, um, <laughs> about, you know, two months ago, and that that was pretty good, and uh, just covers and stuff, just for fun, but that's about it, really, and yeah, 
I think you know, the, the emotional kind of uh, hangover from apples has faded, and um, I think I'm ready to contemplate loving again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It took me a while, and then I haven't been able to get anything together since I decided to. Uh, and now I'm not sure I'm going to have time to have another thing in my life. Uh, but I was trying to set up a band. Maybe mm. it will happen. What attracted you to playing the trumpet? I guess people... <laughs> it's, it's, it's all relative, of course. But brass was always kind of a little bit of the bad boys instruments. And that is entirely relative to kids who play instruments. But the schools I went to in South Wales were very music orientated. It was just like... The norm, every like anyone who could had a voice was in the choir. And where did uh, you go? Did you? I went to I went to a primary school in Cowbridge, which is in the Vale of Morgan. Yeah, uh, school Yolo Morganog. He's a very interesting character. People should look him up. Yolo Morganog. Uh, he set up like things like the yeah, the Stethods and things. The first one was actually held in London uh, on Primrose Hill. Um, so he was a very interesting person. Anyway, so that was my. He was from Cowbridge, and uh, then I went to Glantav, which is the, the all these schools are Welsh medium schools which I think had a thing to do with it as well but just music generally was kind of a bit of a done thing music and rugby and kind of the kind of weedy kids and the girls played violins and then the, the boys the men's men the boys right. boys played uh, brass instruments so yeah so I, I just and uh, that's just how we got stuck into so it so when you say bad boy do you mean a brat a brat no no I don't <laughs> no um, I you, being from uh, the Vale of Glamorgan, the, the well-bred Cowbridge, the Green Welly Brigade, etc., uh, I had no concept what a bra was yeah, yeah, until yeah. I got to Cardiff, and then it was like, all oh, right. So these are actually that—that that was when I realised playing they a trumpet. Were called, they were the other name that we had for them I, in my school anyway was bad boys. Was it? Oh, yeah. It was Daz Bras. We, we called ah, them. But um, that was when I realised when I met these, you know, guys at, at secondary school. That was when I realised. That's when I realised playing the trumpet doesn't make you a bad boy. <laughs> it <laughs> makes you a a geek of some sort, but you know, puffer yeah. jackets, regal cigarettes, and uh, yeah, yeah, a kind of negative attitude towards the negative other attitude. Children. Yeah, absolutely. Made you a, ba- a, a bad boy. Yeah. So, um, so playing the trumpet, I realised right. Okay, I, I am a geek. But um, yeah, I played in, in orchestras as well uh, until I was about sixteen or seventeen, and played in you know the youth orchestras and whatever else. And uh, did you were you in the like? Cardiff and yeah. South Wales. I wasn't. I didn't make it as far as you. I never got to the youth orchestra. So I was. I was. Were you? Mm. I was deemed uh, a backup only to the youth. I was in the high schools orchestra, um, which is the one down from that. Yeah, I had um, You know, that, that's where people didn't really try. You know, kind of. That's uh, the cool kids. Uh, again, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to make myself sound cool when it's all relative. But uh, yeah, so I was in the high schools orchestra. That was pretty good. I was all right. So I hadn't. So. When I left school, I was like obviously seventeen, eighteen, uh, and I, had, I didn't play trumpet again until I was in Apples. So it's a bit of a, it was quite frustrating actually. Uh, it still is a little bit when I play trumpet because I'm just nowhere near as good as I used to be, which is um, not great. And Apples <laughs> didn't really challenge you in that. Well, I didn't challenge myself. To I be guess fair. that's true because you had um, kind of jurisdiction to do it. Yeah, you exactly, and. Uh, it's kind of like uh, I felt like an athlete who was a Premiership footballer and then tries to make a comeback at age fifty-five and. Uh, you know, it's been taken the mick out by pub team, football team, whatever, sports metaphor, whatever. So that's funny. I, like, I started the guitar and tried to be a musician when I was 15. So I like, didn't have to doing it when I was a kid thing. So like, I've always felt like I'm trying to catch up, whereas you're like, you had a break. Well, so I, yeah, like, because I was, I was, I, I did it. I was kind of like, you know, dare I say, classically trained. Um, I, you know, I did, I did all the grade exams, that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, and I got to 
uh, grade seven, you know, which is grade eight, obviously being the best of the best, and never yeah. made it quite that, that far. Story of my life, really. Um, <laughs> so you know, I, I was I was half decent, I suppose. But um, yeah, maybe I should start practicing again. <laughs> and yeah, well, it's it. I guess you've got life's a long time. That's what I keep thinking. You know, like I know. No, it's not life short. Well, I know what you mean, but it's also a long time. So <laughs> like. I mean, I'm 30 at the moment. Are you 30? I'm 30 next year. I'm 29 and a half. Well, there you go. You're not even 30 <laughs> yet. You've got plenty of time to take up the trumpet at any point in your life. This is true. I owe you a trumpet. Probably, so that's not a good start. Rock, probably not in a rock band. Like, well, that's you know, the thing. If you want to be in a rock band, you probably have to... If you want to be a trumpet in a rock band, you have to do it now. Well, I think, um, yeah. And I think... I, I'd like to be part of a brass section, actually. I think trumpet on its own is fine. But I do. I love the sound of a brass section, a proper horns section. You know. Yeah, I always wished we could have got other. Yeah. Brass in. I did approach that trombone player and stuff. Oh, from, yeah, um, from Steve Bland's. That's right. From yeah, Steve yeah. Bland Assembly. Yeah, but I mean, I would have loved to have had a brass section. That would yeah. Be brilliant. Because I, yeah. I mean, my big, in a way, we were smaller than my vision. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I think my vision was impossible. But Possibly, but I think I think brass is one of the least complicated elements of it because we didn't necessarily need amplification. You know, yes. brass section could just part yeah. in the background, and it would have been great. That was generally. I mean, I'd, you... I'd even tolerate a fucking saxophone, even though I hate oh, no, saxophone. Every saxophone player that turned up was a tosser. Well, yes, fine. The, the ones who turned up, like I'm not yeah. saying that all saxophone players are tossers, but no, in my experience, I've met very. <laughs> I've not met a saxophone player who's not been a tosser, but I've never fa- met a drummer that I haven't liked on one level. Um, <laughs> and and everyone says drummers are the bad guys, but I think it's saxophone all the way. But I mean that's just a yeah. cliche generalization either way. But you're from Cardiff. I'm from Cardiff, yeah. And I'm from Cardiff, and it's weird because we must have been growing up in parallel Cardiffs at the same time. Well, weirdly, yeah, you went to school, didn't you, at uh, Cantonian, uh, Cantonian, which is around the corner from where my parents used to live. They actually just moved house, um, and I think I, I moved to that there in '98, so possibly. Did we cross paths, maybe? Yeah, I think Within so. a mile radius of each other? I mean, let's see. You what? You went to Cardiff in 98? I moved into Cardiff, yeah. Before that, I was out in the Vale. And I commuted into Cardiff. Commuted. Okay, so you <laughs> would have been bus. there for two years. You would have been there for your sixth form then. Basically, yeah. And I, yeah, I was... There, and so I would have been there for, like... We'd have crossed over then. We'd have been, like... In, we've been so that means we would have been in metros probably at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, metros love metros, which was like kind the of. rock club. It's I kind of now. I kind of love it looking back. I think at the time I thought it was shit, but um, you know, it was the best thing to do on a yeah, Friday night. Yeah, metros. But then you know, I also did went you to, go to like the Angel Tavern? Yeah, yeah. Occasionally, I was in the Angel, Angel Tavern. That as was well, like yeah. where my entire school drove. I had my uh, first packet of scampi fries in the Angel Tavern. I had my first cigarette in the Angel. Did Tavern. you? <laughs> I think that yours was less damaging to your life. You think? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I ordered it because I thought I never had one of those before. And I thought I'll try and look sophisticated being underage. I thought I'll have a, I'll have a glass of Chardonnay and a packet of uh, scampi fries. <laughs> and the um, and the uh, bar maybe was like, oh, you're not planning on pulling tonight. I didn't understand. I thought she was, I don't know. You thought she was I, th- I thought she was just saying I was ugly or something. But, right. um, and then I opened open it up and this wave of kind of whatever hell, fishy vinegar stuff hit me and I was like, oh, I understand now. No, that was a weird pub because uh, it must have. They must have known everyone in there was teenagers. They must have known. It's kind of hard to judge though sometimes, isn't it? Because people behind the bar weren't that old either. So I maybe guess they just so. thought. I mean, they used to have like you could drink the yard of ale in that pub. People did that on their birthdays so, <laughs> in my social group. We never did a yard of ale. We used to do a pint of filth. What? Oh, I think I might have heard of this. It's it's just disgusting, really. I mean, it, and it always ended badly, always. But the fact is that 
who you know you'd done it so you were damn sure going to make the, the next person was going to do was it, it? Is everybody... uh, just basically everyone just tip a little bit of their or drink whatever they're drinking yeah, into one in, glass yeah and usually it was topped off with a shot of, of vodka or something oh, uh, and, and if, if anyone was drinking Guinness it would generally curdle uh, and someone would inevitably be drinking some alcohol pops it would be just oh, yeah, just yeah. disgusting you'd always have someone drinking Guinness as well in your group and you'd yeah. always have someone drinking alcohol pops because yeah, yeah. when you're teenagers that's what you've always it's kind of guaranteed you've always got someone who's been like I'm going to be a real man yeah. and you've always got some uh, often a girl at that age I guess drinking an alcohol pop yeah, yeah. So that that was a point of filth, and that would generally end your evening if it was your birthday. Um, wow. So we used, yeah. Uh, so there you go. I mean, it's 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 kind of surreal. Like, you're right. I mean, I was going to school where you would have lived, mm-hmm. um, and then I was we were in the same rock clubs. I yeah. mean, did you go to Zeus ever? Oh God. Well, yes. Um, did you go to seventies? More night? no more that's Zeus. When, that's when we went with Thursday seventies. Zeus is more of a two thousand slash two thousand one thing for me. It was my gap year, ah, okay. uh, mainly because they did ten pound entry all you can drink. Uh, that ended about six months in after all the trouble. Of course, um, it wasn't actually a good deal to run on a club that's on the first floor because there was a flight of steps to get out of uh, on the way out, and yeah, you, that's right. You just wake up bruised yeah, all over. Stairs, yeah. Um, yeah, so I miss Cardiff quite intensely, actually. Every time I go back, I mean, I, obviously, I go back. I'm generally on holiday when I go back, so it's that kind of buzz anyway. But uh, the, the fact you got kind of when my parents live near the cathedral into town is just one big park, and you can walk all the way, and, oh. and you can walk around there in the arcades, and oh, it's lovely. Not like dirty are, London. They're changing though the arcades when you go back there. It's changing. Well, the whole place is changing. When I mean, they pretty much knocked down everything I used to go to. And yeah, exactly. Like I went something. back for this. For this show, I went back to interview people from like Cardiff, and it was a weird experience going back because I haven't been back there for years. Because my parents mm. moved to Bristol when I went to university, or right. my mum moved to Bristol when I went to university. So I haven't been back really. Like I occasionally go back, but I'm mm. just in Ely, just <laughs> in, a, in a room in Ely with my friend, who's a great friend. I like that time, but I don't see much of Cardiff. So it was weird going back. Mm. But you're right. The nice thing about Cardiff is the parks and the arcades. It's parks and, and it's, it. you know, so. it's, it's the biggest place in, in Wales. So it gets all the good stuff, the good tours and things. I always go there, but it's quite small anyway. Yeah. If Cardiff was in England, they wouldn't get half the shit they got. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think it's just great. Yeah. Like, it's awesome. I, I loved Cardiff. I didn't necessarily have a good time there always, but I, I, I loved the place. Well, I, 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 I was seriously considering recently... Uh, trying to commute to London from Cardiff because it's just I love it that much it's just too much it's a lot of time yeah it's too much it's too much yeah I I, I can see that I mean do you think you'll go back to Wales eventually maybe maybe I don't know I don't really know to be honest I mean yeah I'd like I'd really like to it makes me sad to think I'll never go back but uh, we'll see yeah well who knows you, you visit at least yeah are you proud to be Welsh Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I speak Welsh, and I try and I, I try to keep that keep that up because there's obviously not a huge opportunity to speak Welsh in London. No. Although, but then there is the things like the uh, London Welsh Centre, which uh, I mean, a couple of buddies go to and watch the sport and things like that, and try and uh, order a beer in Welsh, which is good. And occasionally, you'll meet an actual genuine Welsh person in there who horribly exposes your lack of vocabulary. That's good. Do you uh, brought up was was Welsh your first language? It was, yeah. Well, yeah, English and Welsh. I was a bilingual household. My mother speaks Welsh, and my dad speaks English. Okay. So, uh, yeah, my 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 mother kept a record of my first words, and they were a mixture of both. Which, if I was that way inclined, would be an interesting study because, you know, kids' brains and all the rest of it. You know, they, they can differentiate between English and Welsh, which is quite quite uh, 
interesting, isn't it? But yeah, it is interesting. Like kids I know that I you'd, that you'd, I work with. You think you'd think they'd uh, mix all the languages up and everything, but no, they don't. They know which what words belong to what language, yeah. even when they don't really understand how that works. But you grew up in Calvary. Well, not in Calvary. I grew up in a small village called uh, St Mary Church or Llanbair, if you're looking at the Welsh word, which is about three miles from Cowbridge, which is a reasonably large townish sort of town sort of thing, uh, which is about 14 miles from Cardiff. And it's in the country. It's quite, although I wasn't, you know, by no means posh, it's quite a posh part of the world in terms of... Uh, was it a Welsh-speaking primary school? Yes, it was, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. No wonder you speak it so well. I, t- I had to learn Welsh. I lived in North Wales when I was a kid, and... Sorry, first couple of years of primary school, I started learning North Welsh, and then when I moved to Cardiff, I started <laughs> learning South Welsh. But yeah, gogs. <laughs> well, I've I've loved both parts of parts of Wales. How do you feel about the English? Well, I, I live in London, and I can't really uh, complain too much, can I? No, you can't. <laughs> Why would I, I know? You've got, got English friends. Well, my dad's English. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, there uh, you go. Half my family's English. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't I don't really get that kind of. Um, I understand like the kind of you know sporting rivalry and all the rest of it, and I intensely dislike the English rugby union team. I just I just do, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, some some people in Wales generally do genuinely do hate the English. But I don't get, I don't really understand that much. Some people do, but I think it's rarer than people th- in England think. Probably is, yeah. I think that yeah. most Welsh people don't really care that much. They're proud yeah. of being Welsh. Yeah, yeah. But they don't hold it against you that much if you're English. Yeah. I don't think it was a bit different. Like I was an English kid going into a secondary school in mm-hmm. Wales and I think you get a bit more grief when you're when you're a teenager but people didn't really give me grief because I was English <laughs> I have to say that it was for other, mostly for other reasons I think although being English didn't help I'm sure it didn't yeah. but uh, but I think I don't know I think it's a little bit like I don't know when I meet the I mean I think the Irish and the Scots generally have a lot more against the uh, than the Welsh have I think I think you're probably right yeah well, I don't know if that maybe I don't know what that means. I think the Welsh maybe some bit more easygoing. Yeah, you know, and I don't know. You guys have like, do you think it's kind of feelings changed as well since the assembly has come along? Possibly, yeah. I think it's geographic as well. I think because Wales is generally more open and accessible to England, like yeah. Scotland and Ireland are a bit more removed. Yeah, that's probably true. And in fact, Ireland is an island. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's entirely problems. removed. It is physically yeah. removed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. And yeah, and it's a long way up to. Yeah, Scotland. Whereas the English, I mean, we we are provide most of the tourist industry. In, in, in I guess, well, I guess, and, and obviously there are parts of parts of England naturally which are closer to Scotland, but the general English stereotype of a kind of posh South Southern guy is uh, quite removed from the yeah the Scottish regions. Yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, well, I lived up north as well, and I think I don't know. It's funny that we live in a country with so much tensions between all of its different parts. But I think that that's probably the case for every country. Like, it probably is, yeah. Yeah. Basques and Catalans exactly. and all the rest of it. And with stuff that we just don't know because we don't live in the country. Yeah, but if yeah. we lived I'm going to start commentating on that. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. I'm like, ah, the area where I'm going to look stupid if I talk about move away. Um, so you were like, so you brought up in a Welsh village, but relatively posh one. Yeah, or not? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think I think so. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't meet the stereotypes that people have in their mind when they think of the Welsh valleys. Which oh, absolutely not. No, yeah. no, it's it's the countryside around there is kind of we're about ten ten miles away from the sea. It's kind of like rolling hills and it's really picturesque and you know like kind of stone churches and oh, farmhouses yeah. and that kind of thing. It's, it's it, I mean at the time I really didn't appreciate it and then you know 
when, even when my parents moved to Cardiff, I thought Cardiff brilliant. And then, you know, a few years later, I, I drove, you know, just, just, just for fun, went for a drive around all the villages and stuff. I used to know, I, I'm just blown away by how awesome they are. And I used to remember, it was all coming back to me. Me and my friends used to go on bike rides and all the things, you know, it was just, it's lovely around there and you just don't appreciate yeah. it when you're a kid. Well, you don't, because it's what life. you know. That's what you've got. You yeah, know, yeah. You don't know there's any options. You don't yeah. know what else is the alternative. I loved, because I guess that, that maybe that's why, because I loved living in the countryside when I was a kid. But maybe I only remember it with such love because I moved very quickly to a city mm. when I was still a kid. So mm. I knew the difference. But like Coventry is very different to a tiny little village in North Wales. They're very different experiences. <laughs> yeah, no shit, yeah. Um, and, and, and I guess you were quite old when you moved. So well, you by, the, well by the time I moved to Cardiff, I was desperate to get to Cardiff. I was like 16 and I, I, was, yeah. just, I was going out my, you know, there's nothing, nothing to, do. to do. You know, in my village, there is literally a church and houses. There's not, there's not a shop, there's not a pub, uh, nothing. It was awful. No um, pub. No pub, no pub, nothing. Oh, God. So that kind of sucked. I couldn't, you know, obviously I was 16, I couldn't drive. Or and everyone in the village knows you, so even if there is a pub... And everyone in the village doesn't sale. really like you that much as well, because I, I never went to the local school, because there was a local English school, which I didn't go to, so you're kind of slightly ostracised, because you, you haven't got friends. Tellingly, my only friend in the village was the other, only other kid who didn't go to the local school. Okay. And he actually went to a boarding school, so he was kind of even posher than the other kids. But um, And you were, were you brought up a Unitarian? Um, yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, I remember um, that. I didn't. It's not even on my list, but I remembered that when we were talking. Yeah, um, my mum is, um, uh, I suppose, a lay preacher. My uh, grandfather was as well. My uncle uh, was a minister, um, and my grandmother played the the organ for forty odd years. You know, at the, the church. And yeah, I suppose I, I suppose I was. What's, what's a lay preacher? Is that so? so well, someone who's not got any money for. Uh, basically, yeah, um, or train, or train. No, no training really. She's okay. not. She's yeah. She just kind of takes the service, but uh, she's not. She's not the Reverend Sheila Cousins. She's a whatever. Right. She's just she's a person. She's a normal, regular. But person. she, but she preach, preaches the ministry. Right? She preaches, yeah. Fire and damnation. But, no, no, well, Unitarians <laughs> aren't very. That not at all. No, no. Right? I mean, it's it's weird. Like again, um, much like the Conti Surveyor, uh, the Unitarian is rather unknown in this country. Unless you move in that, those circles, it's a bit. I think it's a bit more well known in America for being a liberal religion. I think you know there's there's quite often jokes in Kevin Smith films or whatever about gay marriages being conducted in Unitarian churches and things like that. You know, and uh, I think the guy who does the Simpsons. I think he's Unitarian. There's quite a lot of Unitarian jokes in Simpsons, weirdly. Right. But basically, the, the whole idea is um, there's no scripture to being a Unitarian. It's broadly a Christian. It's a uh, Protestant, I guess you say, uh, Christian religion generally. But there's no you know, definitive scripture. So you, you, there's no, there's nothing you put down on paper saying this is what a Unitarian believes. It's just a general kind of search for the truth, I suppose. If you want to be spiritual about it, that's nice. I think, it, I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, and do you believe? No, I don't think I do. It's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? I don't really. It's um, kind of agnostic, not agnostic. Well, agnostic. That's kind of like don't know, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm agnostic. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose I've had, I've had to put anything agnostic. I still go to, you know, when I can, I go, I go along at like Christmas and things to the, the Unitarian Church because it's kind of like a, a group of people that I grew up with. Just in, even the little ladies and stuff. It's nice to see them, and uh, it kind of it's just part of my routine. And it is, it's nice because it's, it's not. I've been to things like. Uh, uh, Anglican ceremonies and stuff, and they're horrible. I hate them. I can't. I can't stand them. Whereas the Unitarian ceremonies are generally much more reflective, and kind of non. Uh, you know, there's readings from no, there's non-religious readings, just things that make you think, things like that, which which I I like. 
They're not unlike the Quakers. In no, no. In, well, in fact, the Unitarians in Cardiff share a building with the Quakers. Okay. So there is a yeah, there is, there is I guess a, a general similarity. They're they're a bit more traditional. It, it depends actually. It varies from church to church. Before the minister in Cardiff retired, it was quite a traditional setup. You know, you go, you sing hymns, and there was you know, the Lord's Prayer and things like that. But it was, and it's moved on now to a bit more. Now since he's retired, they haven't, they haven't got a replacement minister, so it's more of a, you know, sit in a circle and kind of somebody will make you know, do do a reading or whatever. And that, that kind of stuff is interesting. But I wouldn't say I'm a believer, no. I, no. Say that. no, I don't believe in heaven and that we're all going to be walking around on clouds and playing harp or whatever. No, it's bollocks. <laughs> Fair enough. I know what you mean. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm agnostic, but I, I, I suspect that there are some things I think are more likely than others. And I, I don't yeah. think it's well, that's what I like about the Unitarians, is that they, they, they haven't got the arrogance to say this is the truth, which I, I think is ridiculous for... You know, whoever, any other organised religion, really, to say this is the definitive truth. That yeah. is bollocks. How can you say I mean, that? It's hard to say we're, that about We're discovering, discovering things about the world all the time. And, uh, yeah. No, I yeah. agree with that fully. Yeah, and some things will fundamentally change your understanding of the world. And You like to read comics. I love comics, yeah. Do they change your understanding of the world? Um, well, well, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I think only, to be honest, I, I've always loved comics, and but only recently I've kind of admitted that, I suppose. Yeah, I'm... When I, when I was a kid, I used to read 2000 AD. I loved 2000 AD, and there was some really good stuff in there. Which and subsequently, when I've gone back and checked, they've actually been writers that the stories I remember have been writers that I've suddenly gone back to and read their other works yeah, without knowing that there was some really without knowing like like Grant Morrison, for example. I yeah, love Grant Morrison, he wrote, and he wrote this, uh, this series that I devoured when I was a kid called Zenith. Yeah, I've read it. And it's yeah, fantastic, yeah. and I, and I never knew he wrote it. And then I went and now now when I kind of got a bit more adult and I kind of gone back to it and and started buying like you know. The graphic novels and Invisibles and things like that and I, I, and I googled anything because I thought oh yeah I remember that from as a kid and it was Grant Morrison so uh, you know yeah they all wrote for that like um, um, Pat Mills did stuff yeah uh, and obviously Alan Moore, Alan, Moore, yeah, Alan, Moore, Alan Moore did loads of stuff for 2018 which is awesome I recently got some uh, uh, Rogue Trooper a Rogue Trooper collection anyway yeah, yeah so I, I do I do love comics and um, I, 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 kind of, I kind of love the stuff that, that, that plays with like the kind of the legend of things like I love Superhero stuff, but I don't. I don't like the straight up stuff. I like Alan Moore's um, yeah, Supreme. Too. I think Supreme is amazing, and it, and, it, and it kind of pains me that it's not more well known because it's a great de- deconstruction of kind of Superman myth, but at the same time being really entertaining to story in itself. And that that is sometimes my bugbear with things that just aren't entertaining to themselves. They've got to be entertaining first, and then if they're going to be yeah. clever, fine, great. Watchmen is um, yeah, it's if you, you can just read that as a comic, and it is. Really, it's fun and entertaining, and then you, then only then you, you know, you, then you can start looking to it a bit deeper, and it's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, the, like you mentioned, the Invisibles. I love the Invisibles, and uh, I've been reading the Boys recently. I haven't read, read that one. No, no. It's pretty brutal. Uh, <laughs> I don't know quite. No, I, I really, I'm really preach, ent- preacher level brutal. It's more. More than yeah. It, his, his, well, his quote was, um, "It's going to out preach a preacher," and it oh, and God. it's kind of the stage where That's impossible. I'm not entirely sure how I, I feel about even... it. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it because it's kind of. It is literally like, if there were superheroes in the world, how would they behave? They wouldn't, you know. And and it, there's a comment in it about how there's vastly more superheroes and supervillains because superheroes got a sweet deal. You know, they make millions out of comics and films and all the rest of it. And they just basically all they do is shag prostitutes and take drugs. Um, yeah, and it, uh, and it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sometimes a little bit much, but I kind of think. I mean, the preacher level of gore is pretty hardcore. I mean, I I, lo- I I think it's beautiful. I think you couldn't like when they talk about making preacher into a film. I'm worried because like I, I don't want to see. I don't want to oh. see like because there's there's panels in preacher where you're like looking through a bullet 
hole, mm. like seeing all of the inside of someone's body. And yeah, it actually kind of looks beautiful sometimes in Preacher. It would be a bad film. It would be a bad film. And you couldn't film. convey the kind of. Nah, a lot of. Co- I think generally comic book films are awful. I think they should be, if they're made into anything, they should be made into series generally. Yeah, TV series. They're in the structure yeah, yeah. of TV series. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the Batman films, you know, you can, pick, you can pick probably three or four of those which are really good, but. Yeah, but uh, Superman, uh, a couple of those are pretty good, you know. Yeah, but I've got fun with Superman too. But it's me too, but nothing's. Green Lantern. Oh my God! I'm gonna make, make me kill myself. Did you like Thor? Kind of. I like Thor. Thor's like I the did. only one. I've it's liked. popcorn. Yeah, and Thor's always been, I guess, a bit it, popcorn. It, it kind of, yeah, it managed Thor well. Yeah. Iron Man was okay. I don't know. I don't know. Just, don't just know. generally superhero films, like and they seem to be the fashion for it. And... Watchmen actually was quite good. I actually like. I Watchmen. haven't seen it. I'm too it's, scared because Alan well, Moore changed my life when I was fifteen. Well, the thing about Watchmen, like the guy, who, the guy who made it uh, did three hundred. I don't know if you ever see three hundred. I have not seen three hundred. Yeah, I've not seen three hundred. Yeah, yeah. uh, well, I've seen I've seen the film that the guy uh, Zack Snyder. Yeah, I saw yeah, his, his zombie movie, his The Dawn of the Dead. Oh yes, and I like it. Not very many people. Uh, Watchmen was is basically they've, they've taken the comic and basically used that as a storyboard, which is fine. Uh, and I quite liked it. Yeah, and they've got some nice slow mo violence bits and Raw Shark is awesome. Uh, yeah, it's good. Okay, well maybe I'll. Check I, it I mean, I don't. I'm not, I, I didn't really see the point of it because it was just basically the comic. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, what Watchmen took my my brain and it kind of re positioned it weirdly like actually it was the it was ending of the, of the film actually I think makes more sense than the ending of the comic they, they know that the way they did that the tentacle and all that bollocks yeah. in the comic they, they actually kind of spoiler oh no shit yeah I should have said spoiler alert whatever um, well spoiler alert for the film uh, they change it so it's kind of like it's Dr. Manhattan who they they, 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 they use like the generators that he, him and what's Osmandis uh, have been working on they, they make it they make, they make it into a bomb make it look like Dr. Manhattan's kind of attacked the world kind of thing. Uh, it kind of makes more sense. Okay. I, I actually preferred the ending. I thought the ending was better, um, which is probably quite a heretical thing to say, but yeah. um, not not better. But it kind of it, it worked better in the context of the film. That, that's fair. I think it's fair. The rest, to the rest of it was all exactly the same. But yeah, if if it, if it works better in the context, of yeah. How, how can you explain the kind of interdimensional tentacle? The writers and that wouldn't work in a film. But it, so they simplified it and it was fine. Well, that was yeah. I mean, I think. The, the layers of... I can't imagine that all of the layers that Watchmen had would work as well. No, the, well, apparently on the DVD they've done the, um, the the pirate story that's in the... Oh, yeah, the, the comic. The, that was, that didn't feature in the film. Yeah, no, that was that Johnny Depp shit. Oh, but shit. Whatever it was. Um, that's, yeah. That's, uh, that wasn't in the film at all, which is kind of, again, makes sense, but... That yeah, it was alright. Yeah. And, and so you read, you read, t- you sh- you read two thousand and eight AD when you were how, how old? Um, from about I guess like uh, ten onwards, from ten to sixteen. How did you come across it? Were you like um, people, were people at school reading it? Because like yeah, my, my brother mates... read comics, but nobody at my school did, so I kind of got comics from him. Um, I had one mate at, at primary school who then went to secondary school, a separate different secondary school, so he kind of lost touch a little bit. But yeah, he kind of introduced me to two thousand AD, and then. Yeah, I, so I, I read the monthly edition. Occasionally, got the um, the magazine, which I, I always like the, the title, of the magazine, which is like the fortnightly edition, and it was it was good. And then and, and then unfortunately, one fateful day, I sent my mother to collect it. I, I didn't I didn't I couldn't bother going into, into the into Cowbridge. You know, it's like three miles on the bike or something. I don't want to do that. Mum's going in a car anyway. Mum, why don't you collect my monthly two thousand AD for me? And she came back and went, "You are not getting this magazine ever again." She held it up. 
and it had bitch written across the front cover. Oh, fuck. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I tried to explain to her about the, the context or something, but um, no, she was having none of it. So, because she paid for it, fair enough. So I had to get a paper round. So you had to, what, so you had to get a paper round <laughs> in order to buy 2018? I had two paper rounds, yeah. But you did? Yeah. Because it was that important? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of... It, I kind of stopped when I got to like sixteen, seventeen, or something. I was, it, was, it was probably, I guess, it wasn't cool. So, I, so I, I kind of stopped for for a good long while, and then, and then uh, when I started going out with my girlfriend, she was well into comics, and she had loads of stuff I hadn't read. Have you got engaged now? Sorry, my fiance. Yeah, yeah it's a girlfriend, fiance. Thanks for the correction. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so she had loads of stuff I hadn't read before, so I read that, and that kind of reignited my passion a little bit. And initially, I was kind of like furtively reading them on the train and stuff, you know, thinking, "Shit, what if someone sees me reading a comic?" But now I, I couldn't give a fuck already. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's a defensible passion. Well, it's weird for people to, I don't know, have a problem with a comic because they don't know what it's about. They don't know, like, it's like having no, a problem with a book or having a problem with a TV program. And, and a lot of assume com- that all comics are the same, but they don't know. No, and, and, and it's, I guess, people who don't know anything about them would assume they're childish, but, you know, they're wild. No, a lot some of, of them are really aren't. No, they're not really, they're really not. I mean, some of the stuff that we've got, I would never let a child read because no. it's so inappropriate, you know. Yeah. I mean, the boy's being a, a pretty. Uh, Intense example. Yeah, the big attraction in comics for you is twists on kind of heroes. Yeah, the, the kind of, I, I love myth. So like, yeah, so growing up, I was really into Tolkien. I mean, I, mean, I was talk geek for Tolkien. Me too. And um, I kind of I, yeah, I just, I just love the, the kind of myth he created almost more than the actual writing itself. Which if you read the Lord of the Rings, is not particularly great, really. No, I agree. With but that. I, you know, but I actually like things like Silmarillion more than Lord of the Rings because it's kind of really well because. It's kind of that saga type style of writing, and it, because it doesn't go into detail, he's not written like a story or a novel. It's, but the, that's it allows you can, kind of, and, I, and I'm, there's there's a, a famous, um, relatively famous, a set of Welsh um, myths called the Mabinogi. Yeah, the way of Mabinogi, which I kind of think is almost criminal that it's not more well known because, it, for example, that would make an was, awesome comic. Was, it's all about magic and. Did Lloyd Alexander base the Black Cauldron books on? I've that? no idea what those are. So they're a fantasy series. Written set in Wales, they've got like a character called Gwydion. Gwydion, yeah, possibly. And um, I mean, it's, it's got things like Aron, the Death Lord. Po- yeah, yeah. Put, like make zombies in a cauldron and stuff. Well, that, yeah, that, that that's part of the, um, the Bendigadran. Okay, and there's a th- and there's the three like witches. I, I'll give you a very brief. My, okay. my favourites are the I guess they're sagas, I suppose. Really, they, I think they're they're kind of written in the uh, or at least written down in the Middle Ages. I think they probably predate that a little bit. One of my favourites is that he was king of Britain, this guy, Ben de Gavran, who was a giant. And uh, his sister got married to the king of Ireland for various reasons. She was treated badly by the king of Ireland. She was imprisoned in a tower. And uh, being, you know, a bit a bit smart, she kind of befriended this little bird who would come to a window. She'd feed it crumbs and she'd get chatting to it. So this little bird eventually carried news of her imprisonment to her brother, Ben de Gavran, who was a king of Britain. So he waded across the Irish, uh, the Irish Sea to go and rescue her, and uh, the watchers in Ireland said, "Oh, look, there's a, there's a really strange thing. There's an island floating towards us," and it, and they said, "You know, it's, it's a, it's a big mountain with a forest around its base, and uh, you know, near, near near the summit there are two, you know, lakes of crystal clear blue water," and uh, so the, the, the prince didn't know what to make of this, so he went to speak to the princess and he said what, what's going on she said ask my brother come to get me you know he, he's the mountain and the the forest is this ma- mass of his ships and the, the lakes are his eyes oh, wow. so so he, he came up but the problem was when they got married uh, numerous gifts were made to the, the king of Ireland and one of them was his cauldron and what would happen is if you put a dead body into the cauldron it would be reanimated 
and he would come back to life, but he would be uh, he would be dumb. He couldn't speak, but but he was but in all in all intents purposes he was alive. Um, so what, so what happened when the war started? The um, the uh, you know the battles went back and forth, and and but because the Irish could could put their dead straight into this cauldron and reanimate them, they obviously had this incredible advantage. And what happened was the the another brother who had actually sparked the war by um, his sort of treachery, I guess, the a Welsh guy. What he did, he pretended to be dead. And then he, he pretended to be an Irish dead, and then they, they threw him into a cauldron, and he and he broke the cauldron. He he, he sort of pushed it apart, but and in doing so, died himself. And, and at that point, the Irish sort of started to withdraw to retreat, and they they, they cut down the last bridge. And what happened was Bendy Gavran he he leant across the chasm and using and let himself be the bridge, and his men walked across him to uh, to finish off the Irish and rescue the princess. And and, what, and, and there are sort of more stories about him. And eventually, what happens is he. Um, he dies, and what he, what he decrees is when he dies, his head is cut off and buried in London, staring across the Channel, and he's there as a guardian, an eternal guardian of uh, of Britain, wow. and it, and that kind of ties in. I think I think his head is then it ties in sort of Arthurian legends because I think Arthur kind of finds his head and things like that, and he's yeah, kind they're of, all kind of mixed the different Celtic yeah, so interweaves, in but but there's all these kind of stories all all a bit like that, and uh, yeah, that, that's, that's um, really interesting to me because I've read the Chronicles of Pride Aim by Lloyd Alexander and he I mean I know that he he bases a lot of his stuff on Welsh Welsh myth but he's obviously twisted some of that so I'm like oh yeah. that's like this thing but it happens differently you should yeah. check those books out actually you might like them yeah. they, they are for teen they are for kids but they're like mm. a coming of age story so he starts off he's like a they, the Disney made a terrible movie out of it don't watch oh, really? it it's really <laughs> it's just shat on my childhood but um like it's about like he's an assistant pig keeper, and the, the hen wen is the or- oracular pig, um, and he's kept by this wizard called Dalban. And one day the, the 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 pig escapes, and he goes out after it to to get the pig. That's the first story. It's just him trying to get this pig back. But it then it just becomes really mm. epic and big <laughs> from that tiny little thing. But then as it goes on, you know, it's it's all kind of the the last book's called The High King. Yeah, so it's 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 mm. the, it's the coming of age. But he get you know he. He, it, I, it, I really would recommend it because you know about the Welsh myths. So I think for you, I mean, I loved it and I still love it um, because I, I, I like the kind of epic. I like coming of age stories as well. I think most um, yeah, well, most myths are. Yeah, uh, in some respect they are. Yeah, some respect. Yeah. yeah, but then it's interesting what you said about the Silmarillion because <laughs> I, I think the Silmarillion. I, I, I've read it. I've read unfinished tales. I've read it all. Yeah, but it's like a pitch not a story it's like it's just the ideas but it's not fleshed out with any kind of character but I, to that, me that I kind of like that because um, okay. it let me kind of you could, you could just think about it and imagine it yourself which I enjoy because um, like I said The Lord of the Rings you, I read it now and the first couple of books are fine but I think I really sometimes you think Christ that is really clunky or description he does too much description without a doubt or, and especially it. by the time of the third book it just goes it's so OTT I like the character stuff but the description I could do about yeah. I need to hear about another bloody hill or another bloody load of arms yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't even it wasn't even so much that it's just the kind of overblown sort of stuff and the overly epic and it's just it just it weighed the whole thing down for me Whereas these kind of shorts, sort of th- almost not throwaway, but succinct stories, which basically just said, you know, and then you did this, and then you did that, yeah, almost literally, and, and, it, and it kind of 
it's not I, I I would enjoy reading it, but it, it can be something I thought about for longer than I actually spent reading it. If you know what I mean. What do you, what what attracts? Because I like myths as well, but what, what attracts you to myths and and to epic stories? Do you think like what is it that draws um, you to? Interesting. Um, I I'm not I'm not sure. I I've never really been that interested with the mundane or you know just novel novels which are set in the present day. I've I've read a few and they're okay, but nothing really fires my imagination. And maybe it's kind of maybe it's possibly a lack of subtlety. You know, in in the kind of you know the good guys are good and the bad guys are bad or whatever it may be. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe come. Maybe let me have a think about that. Well, yeah. I mean, I just I I asked. Trying to think of a clever. Trying to think of a clever answer. But I don't think there has to necessarily be an answer. No, it's the drama, the drama, the grandiose kind of drama of it. And you know, I kind of like I like I like I like stories where there's something at stake more than just kind of you know, oh, does so and so get a boyfriend or you know, did did. Is Steve really killed Janet or whatever? You know, I don't care. So I, I think I like the kind of I don't know. Archetypal stories do seem to say something about mm. who people are as well. You know, that you know, I, I really you know, I really like it when it's a kind of big, yeah, big epic scale and complicated. Well, I guess generational as well. I guess I get a, I get a belly full of real life every day. Yeah. I'm not you know, and my life is. You know, I I have a fiance, I have friends, and there's there's drama in in everyday life, and I want something that's not that's going to take you away from that, that's going to give you a bit of escapism, but at the same time is going to kind of elevate you somehow. That's it's gonna, on a higher plane, isn't it? Yeah, the, the stories are on a higher plane. I guess they're not about the trivial everyday life things. They're mm. about good, evil, life, death. And it's love, not to say I don't like I don't like hate. Um, I don't like things that deal with everyday issues, but well, you generally like, you like the wire. Yeah, I do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or, or, but, but then, but then again, I, I I almost treat that to me, not generally. But to me, that's fantasy almost because I have no concept of that that way of life. That's not. There's nothing that I experience anything like the wire. You know that that's yeah, that's um, true. That's that's a as America, which is fucking Narnia. Some you know yeah, basically yeah. you know. Um, then it's you know it, it's about drug dealing. It's about the police. It's it, you know that that you might as well say that that could be sci-fi as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It's it's nothing that you know, and and that's not to um, belittle it or anything like that. It's just to say it's it's not really my everyday life and my everyday experience, and I and I like things that make me take me out of my everyday. So you're experiences. looking for something that gives you a different experience than what you have. Uh, yes, but also things that make you look at your own life in a slightly different way. That maybe you know without necessarily hitting you on the nose with it yeah filter, kind, of, kind of you can you see yeah. it through a different different and I, I, I like, I like and I like that realisation to come sometimes a bit slow and you think oh actually shit yeah this is what he's talking about but he's just doing it in a really interesting way and, and it's kind of a, I like levels to a story and I sometimes think well you know these kind of detective novels or whatever it may be I think sometimes they're quite just one they don't only work on one level really um, and I, I like you know you, people are quite snooty about sci-fi, but fuck it, you know that, that sometimes that, that actually is a bit more complicated than oh, people definitely. give it give credit. You know, and um, are you sort of have you come through the shame? Because uh, <laughs> I, I think I have. Now I'm thirty, I can say, yeah, I like fantasy. Yeah, I like science fiction. Yeah, I like comic books. I also like some other adult things, and I'm not a, I'm not an idiot yeah. for liking these things. And actually, maybe you guys should try it occasionally. You might like some of them. Absolutely. Well, I think that's part of just getting older, isn't it? And being yeah. more comfortable in yourself because you realise that um, a little bit of it's to do with your circle of friends as well. Because when you're at school, you kind of you're almost the, you're, you're you're forced into your group of friends. You know, you, you kind of um, 
some of them might like sport or and you're desperate to fit in and all that kind of stuff but when you're an adult especially now when you've got the internet and wherever else you can choose to socialize with people who have the same interests as you who, are, who don't think it's weird at all yeah and uh that's that's uh, awesome. <laughs> it, it, help, it, it helps having the, like a, a girlfriend who, who who likes you and likes comics. I should imagine. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean Christ, having a girlfriend who actually you know not only likes comics but has a shitload more comics than you've ever she's heard proper, of before. She's proper on it. I'm, and I, I, I went I, I, when I seen her collection of comics, I was I died and gone to comics heaven. It was, yeah, I mean. Oh. Uh, it, and it's good actually because we have we do have different tastes, and I like what I like. She likes what she like, and there's a it's a nice Venn diagram with stuff in the middle. Yeah. And you know she definitely um, introduced me to you know just comics, music, and everything else as well, which is awesome. I say. But she's like got every significant comic because I went through like a year of time when I was just intensively like I was working for libraries, I was mm. having a shit life, and I just read comics because I was working on a comic script I'd written when I was a kid, and I was reworking it. And I read like I read books about comics, and I I basically just wrote down every significant mm. comic and just like ordered it from the library because I could get out a hundred yeah. things on my library. Ticket. I mean, she she um, she loves Alan Moore, and she loves Alan Moore. She met him, and she was just oh. went to pieces when she met him, that kind of thing. And actually. I don't think he's that perfect. I think he's definitely got flaws. <laughs> I love. Um, I mean, well, that's fine. But I'm I think I think sometimes, like I've read his, uh, read his uh, Promethea. I love Promethea. Books. I, love I do, Prometheus. but I kind of hate them as well I at the same time him. because they're kind of so arsy and wanky. And I don't like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I like that, but I didn't like the end. Um, I haven't read that far because I got fed up with the first. I, I, it's, I don't know a lot of it. I just thought Tom Strong. I didn't relate to. Never Tom Strong, but, but Promethea, I love. Well, I loved it. I loved I it right up, right up to the end. And I, I, oh, the end's where it blew my mind. Oh, I was, okay, <laughs> spoiler alert. To, like, seriously, if you want to read Promethea, I don't want you to listen to the next bit, but you've got your own decisions. But kind of, there's a bit where it directly addresses the audience and mm. the whole of the universe that you're reading is basically involved in one kind of big magic sort of spell about intertextuality and... Mm. And it directly addresses you. And I was sitting on the front step of my house at the time. I vividly remember it. Smoking a cigarette. And I knew it wasn't real. I knew that it wasn't directly addressing me. I knew that the world wasn't coming to an end. <laughs> but I kind of felt like it was at the same time. I was I was that transported into the story that I was like, fuck, the world is coming to the end. And this comic's telling me that the world's coming to the end. And that this is, this is happening. No, no, like, no, it's not. No, it's not. And that, that for me, that's the level that, that, that means it's working. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not uh, someone uh, who normally me. gets that involved. I'm, the, I'm, I'm someone who often kind of s- sits on the outside and analyzes. You know. Well, it took me two attempts actually to finish it because I, really? I, I, I stopped at that point. I thought this is bollocks. Um, and then I went back and I finished it and it, and I did, it kind of brought it back again at the end, you know, and it, yeah, it, it, it's interesting, I, I, and it is. I think it's good that he exists as a person, which is kind of ridiculous thing to say, but because it does, I think it does advance the medium. Well, and, also, it, and it's, it's not something that's been I done. I bet there's things that that he's written that you think are flawless. Like it's hard to to like from mm-hmm. hell. Have you read? Yeah, from that's hell? awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, his novel, his novel actually is, is really good as well. I mean, I agree. Alan Moore is. People can disagree what what's his. But it, it's, it's hard work. It's hard work, though, which, is, which is good. Like, have you have you read his novel? I um, haven't read his novel. I, I can't remember what's called. Something like Voice I've of the Fire. I've been told I've got to read. Yeah, that's Voice but, of the Fire. Yeah, and um, the first chapter is written in from the perspective of a caveman, 
and it's written written in really you know the uh, vernacular is kind of like you know me like this and all the, whatever else you know it, it's really hard and I, I did a couple of pages I thought what the hell you go back and you actually force yourself to read it and you you make yourself work for it and it's really rewarding and that's good yeah <laughs> I think he, I think he is like he is very clever and sometimes his things work and sometimes they don't but yeah. he does take real risks yeah. like I've got Lost Girls um, shit yeah no I've I, I read about that but I've not read it I've read it I would say it's definitely very flawed. It's porn, but Por- yeah, with uh, Wendy and people like that, isn't it? It's it's Dorothy, Wendy, and Alice, <laughs> and they're all the the ages that they would be if they met just before the First World War in a house in Austria, in a in a hotel in Austria. And then they get on. They they, they get everyone gets it on. <laughs> everyone gets it on. It's uh, it's it's a work of. Well, he says it's pornography because he doesn't. He rejects the term erotica. I would say it's probably if if people wanted to put it somewhere in the in the way they were thinking, erotica makes more sense. It's pictures, it, you know, it's it's a story, mm-hmm. all of the things that I think is lacking in most porn. Um, <laughs> and but I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting. It's got some great artwork. It's provocative, but it, it, he took a risk, and it was it's it's actually quite interesting. Cause I think when they wrote the first book, him and the artist weren't weren't having sex I think or something and then by by the end of the three books they were married <laughs> like <laughs> I think the actual process was sort of part of their kind of I don't know relationship coming together nice. which that's is, good. I guess that's nice it's weird to share yeah but I, I would love to um yeah I've kind of got a couple of ideas for uh, graphic novels and that would be something I'd like to look uh, look into next I guess what, right. as, as my next my next escape from being a quantity surveyor uh, yeah. having having you know, had a go at being a rock star that didn't work out. So uh, let's try being a graphic novel. But if you don't draw, that's the harder part. Like, because because I'm I'm like I'm like that. I like to write. Mm. Like, I'd love to write comics. Mm. Love to. And I did once write one for my brother, but he didn't do it. Um, ah, busted. Well, <laughs> complicated. I think he just yeah. But he like that. It's frustrating because now somebody else has got it and mm. they haven't done it yet. Maybe they will. I don't know. We don't want to jinx that, but it's hard to find someone to do that for mm. you. You can't go to. I don't think it's hard to go to a publisher with a graphic novel script and then. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think you could do that. You, you, I mean, as a, as a minimum, you have to have a, you know a couple of pages. It feels like to me, you have to find an artist to, to work with you on it. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know anything about it's it, so, so um, hard. But yeah, it is. It's a hard. But I don't want to discourage you before you even start. You're definitely, <laughs> definitely right. Yeah. Well, you know. I, but yeah, finding an artist is just a thing. But like I think, because yeah, I think that's it's very easy to have the like ideas for it. But it's finding mm. someone who can draw those ideas in the way that you're happy. With, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. are you fussy about the art in the in, in, in comics? Uh, yeah. Um, I guess I guess I am. Um, my favorite. I, I can't remember his name now. Which this is bad. But you probably tell me. My favorite artist is. Um, Who's the guy who drew the Neil Gaiman covers for Dave Sandman? McKean. Dave McKean. Okay, awesome. Um, like the um, Arkham Asylum is just oh, that fucking is nuts. By Grant Morrison, right? Yeah, I mean it's, oh, just, it's the art in that is you could just I could frame every single page of that, and it would be I'd, I'd have that throughout my house. Uh, probably lead to rather disturbing dreams, but um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean I kind of, I kind of. I'm going to elaborate a little bit on my idea here. Okay. I'm not, but you can't steal it. None of you bastards can steal it. Well, you've kind of proved that you had it. 
Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yes, yeah, this is proof. I, I've always been interested or fascinated by graveyards and the whole kind of process of burying people and death and things like that. Because you know, you think about all the people who've been alive since Christianity and Islam and the rest of it existed. These people aren't in graves. They're not. You know, they've been eaten up by worms and they're gone. Yeah. You just think about the numbers. It's not practical. They've been dug up. And they've been dug up. They're gone. Yeah. You know, and and yet yeah, it's kind of this this process of burying people and I think these days as far as I'm aware you, you don't even own a plot of in a graveyard you own it for 100 years or 200 years or whatever it is basically until the point that everyone who knew you is dead and they, they, there's no one left to object to you when they dig you up and chuck you in yeah. a pit somewhere you know and this kind of, I kind of thought well what happens if, if they thought fuck this no this is bollocks we're going to enforce this kind of funeral procedure whereby everyone gets a grave because when you know the day of judgment comes and you all have to climb up out of your grave we want people to be in, in their the grave, right you know, and that in how long would it take for that to take over the for a graveyard to take over the entire planet? I'm pretty sure not very long. So you want like a planet that is one big massive graveyard, yeah, all the way around, everywhere, everywhere, every part, of ten it. miles down, whatever it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's going to be an interesting thing to work <laughs> out the logistics of it. I mean, would people use the sea because as well? It's, it's, well, they'd have to, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would. It's you know. It's, yeah. Even if you take every religion that actually buries people, and you can't bury somebody on top of anybody else, so you, you st- no, you stack them. Of course, you'd have to. Oh, okay, so you'd have like high rise plots. Yeah, you'd have to have like. I mean, you'd have to stack them. You know, how many people? How many graves could the planet Earth hold? And how quickly would it take? God, you know. the, the, it's an interesting idea. I definitely would like to see it developed. Well, just for you, Dave, I'm going to do that. Well, you should. I definitely <laughs> think you should. The last question that I ask people. Um, is do you have anything that you want to plug which is a strange question so one of the ways that people have been interpreting it without me even provoking them is they often if they don't have a project to plug they often sort of put forward a point of view about the world or something that they think people should do or whatever so use it as widely or as specifically as you like that's interesting i mean um i guess um you know, you can do it. You can give give some sort of bollocks answer about you know everyone should love each other. I think that's just obvious, really. You know, treat people with respect and all the rest of it. But if I'm being if I'm plugging stuff, yeah. then I guess what I've really got into recently it sounds ridiculous is television. Okay, <laughs> so I've got I've got I've got band practice to go to. I haven't got uh, whatever to go to. I sit at home and I watch television, yeah. and uh, I really love television. At the moment I'm um, series. I love I love watching an entire series in a week or something I just, oh just I just mainline it it's, it's um, delicious I agree so I guess, I guess uh, I'm just going to plug some TV shows yeah, because do it, do it. you know there's things like there's things I think just aren't getting recognised as being awesome which they should be okay. Parks and Recreation I've heard about you know, lots, lots of people think lot the, problem, the problem is the first series is pretty average right. it's a genuinely it's like an average sitcom done in the style of a documentary but you know the first series is acceptable it's only about six episodes long but from the second series onwards, it gets really good and clever and, and awesome, and it's generally a really good show. Uh, uh, I'm an American show because you can't get. Yeah, that no, well, no. I, I want to listen. Uh, what? It's a very good I point. American TV is so much better than British TV. Okay. I, I'm sorry, I, mean, I really I hate agree to say with that. You at the moment, but there, there are some good stuff. I'm obviously, but the problem is you have to go back quite far we to find it. We beat them about ten years ago or something, I think. But now yeah, you know, Spaced by. was. I think that was flawless. You know, um, but the last good thing I think I thought I saw, which I thought was trying to do the American thing and co- was copying it but kind of did it quite well was um, The Shadowline okay I've not seen that I mean just the opening credits alone was awesome 
Okay. You watch the opening credits and it's just their really nice music and whatever else. And that was, I think, I think it was really uh, fundamentally quite an American style show, but done in Britain and it it worked. I've seen other things which haven't worked that well. Okay, so Parks and Recreation. Parks and Recreation. Um, I'll then go for Community. Oh, these are all... Because I, I listen to a lot of podcasts with American comedians. I've heard all the people involved in Community is on the sus legs, unfortunately. It's, yeah, it's, it's been high, it's on hiatus and all this kind of stuff. The yeah. AV Club are trying to get it recommissioned. Because yeah. I listen to all the it podcasts might, it might talk st- about these it shows, might, yeah. but I'm not actually... It might stumble on for another series or something. But, you know, they've got a good run because... They sound interesting. Both both of those programmes, when I've heard the people who've been on them talking on podcasts, they both sounded really interesting. Well, Community never never quite fulfilled its early promise, I think. It, it, it was okay. it's awesome. It's still, it's still enjoyable... And diverting, but it's not quite as awesome as it perhaps initially thought. You thought this is going to be the best show ever. It's right. not. But yeah, and it's like you know, they they still do things which are a bit different to other TV shows. Okay, so Parks and Recs, Community, Community. This is a bit of a, a curveball. Thundercats, the <laughs> new one, the new 2011 Thundercats. I've it, seen the it graphics. It's fucking for it, good. It's um, it's, it's twenty twenty. Yeah, it's, it? it's 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 done by it's done by a Japanese animation. Right. It's written and produced by Americans and right. animated by the Japanese, and it, it reworks the Thundercats. It goes into the backstory, doesn't well, it? Well, so. it, it, it completely reworks it from the ground up, and it's and it's a good it deals with why are the Thundercats the kind of dominant race? You know, it's kind of a bit weird when you think about the you know the the other races, the mutants. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. you know why you know why why the Thundercats kind of piss all over the lizards and that kind of stuff, and it, you know, it actually. Deals out in a certain degree, and I've, I've read. I've just, I've just not read. Of course, I haven't. Um, You've watched. I've watched the last, you know, the thirteen episodes or whatever they're in existence. Yeah, that's pretty good. Thirteen cats. That's the last thing I just, uh, I okay. got through. That's our Galactica. That I came to that one quite late. Don't spoil any of that because that's I, it's on my list of things to watch. But it's you know when you've got a whole TV series to watch and you just yeah. keep putting it off. Well, because I, I've, I haven't even seen this last the final series out yet, so I'm still going to do that. But, but that, that, that was that I was. I don't want to know who's Asylum. I don't want to know. Uh, no, it's like the, the terrible sport. Like I, I know that, like I know I know too many already. Well, people and I haven't about, even watched an episode. Well, people went on about you know the kind of series where they did they did Iraq basically you know with kind of um, suicide bombers and stuff and uh, I I, actually, I thought that was kind of a bit too. It was good. It was really good, but it was not as good as the rest of the show. Like there's there's the standout episode, which is probably one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen, was. Um, I think it was 19 minutes. I think it was basically the silence would catch up with them every 19 minutes. And they couldn't sleep because they kept having to escape every 19 minutes. And it was just the tension in that they managed to convey and the, the pressure these people were under. It was just brilliant TV. Go back even further, West Wing. I think the West Wing is brilliant. I've seen all of mid, the West Wing. Mid, I have problems with the West Wing. They had, they had a slump I... in the middle. Oh, yeah, you know, no, it, it is. But it, I it's like, not I cynical it. enough, I think. I watched it from start yeah. to finish, but you're right, it's not It's not cynical enough. That's but at the same time, I, I It's like it. a dream. It's like someone's dream version of politics. It's like, it's basically Aaron Sorkin has kind of created a myth. Like, it's yeah. mythic. They're heroes. Everybody's a hero. Well, if you mix, if you mix that with, um, you know, in the thick of it or something like that, if you mix it all together, yeah. somewhere in between, that's right. it would be awesome. Yeah, that's right. That's probably true. So, yeah, that, that that's that's great. <laughs> so, yeah, just television generally. That, that's kind of filling a void in my life at the moment. So you're, you're, you're which it's probably in. a bad thing, actually. It's kind of, you know, I, it, I guess it's the kind of men, the mental equivalent of, like, gorging on chocolate or something to fill a void in my life. Well, uh, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because... I mean, I'm like this. I love watching TV, 
but then there's times like at the moment I haven't got time to watch TV mm. and I've got all of these series that I really want to watch and you know what I love watching it like I, I when it's a great series I love it and when it's a really good book I love it and I've mm. started timetabling into my life time to read every week just a morning on a fr so I have Fridays off so I read in the morning and then I get on with all of the rest of the work I've got to do and just having that space to read it's been really good it's been really it's been good it's, it's I think it's balanced though isn't it well it that's the thing I, I it's kind of a concern of mine and it's that's pretty pathetic really but I'm I'm envious of people who dedicate themselves to one thing even if it's television for fuck's sake I mean you know, there are people who have watched every show there is and have an opinion on it. There's people who play the guitar every single day and get really good at it. There are people who play computer games and they are really good at playing computer games and they know every computer game and they own all the latest. And I, I'm, I'm none of those things. I try and spread myself over everything and I'd get nowhere because I have a job, which is why my dream is to win the lottery and, and then just... And not have a job. Not have a job and, and do all these things and do them all really well. It's never going to happen though, is it? Well, it might. Do you play the lottery? Well, that's the thing. I, uh, ev I I buy the a lottery ticket so rarely. I mean, like we're talking like once every yeah. six months. That when I do buy one, I, it's because I get, I, I get a sense. It's, this, this is it. This is it. You know, and I'm convinced I'm going to win, and I've not won a penny. Bought a ticket. Ever. I think I bought one lottery ticket. Or oh, no, I had a lottery ticket. My dad bought for me that I had to like <laughs> worry about. But I, I I yeah I I. I'm worse than lottery though. I I I put my stake into you know, moments in my actual life. Like, at least a, a lottery ticket, it kind of wins or it loses, but it's like, mm. a, it's completely luck, whereas I'm like, I'm going to make it in this way, I'll have to do this, 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 this. I've, I've you just, well, the thing is, you, you, you just need one... Ago, but, uh, uh, it's difficult, because I think I think in this day and age, honestly, in the arts, because of the, because of the internet, I think it's awesome, but I also think it is... How can you make it's, it? Yeah, you can't make money anymore. I mean... Like this I mean, is really fulfilling what I'm doing with this yeah. podcast. I can't see how I'm able there's, there's, there's a great quote from Mick Jagger. Uh, I can't, I'm not going to paraphrase it, but basically to paraphrase, he's basically said that you can make money for music between something like 1968 and 1995 or something like that. It was a 25-year so period, roughly, when you can make money. And now you couldn't before that because the you know people screw you. Yeah. And now you can't because there's internet. And people can produce awesome records at home and just get it out there. And... That's that's true, and that's great in one way. But in other ways, it means you you can't you can't be a musician really. I don't I don't think unless you're willing to sell your soul and or advertise fucking perfume for free. Unless you're willing to do it anyway. Like I don't. That's the thing. I mean, I want to make enough money from making art that I don't have to work because mm. then that would give me some social life. But I, I also don't really want my like, okay, I don't think. I mean, I don't think Jack will mind me saying this, but when <laughs> when I first met, when I first met Jack, our mutual friend, mm -hmm. he was like, "I have a job and I do my art, and I don't mix them together." I don't think mm. he'd have used the word art, but I. I, I don't no, yeah, he, he was quite clear that he he never really wanted to be a, a rock star, did he? No, he, he was he, like, he it's wants, a hobby. Yeah, He's like, yeah. music is a hobby. And I don't want it to not it be was, a hobby. I think, I think it was stronger than that, wasn't it? But it, it wasn't a hobby. It was something he did, but, it, but he didn't want to necessarily... He, he used the word hobby. It was, what he meant was, it was so... It was fun. And he didn't want it to be work. He didn't want it to be work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, at that stage, I was like, oh, no, but I want to make money from it because I just want to do it. And I, I mm. can't stop doing it. So I would like to be able to do it and have some free time. But now I'm like, well, yeah... I would like to get paid for it, 
So if anybody wants to pay <laughs> me for it, pay Dave money. Pay me for it. But 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 I don't do it for that reason. And actually, when money gets involved in it, I start kind of I don't know how to deal with it. Like I'm I'm doing this new night in Leicester Square Theatre, and I'm I stand up tragedy. Stand up tragedy. That's right. And and I'm not going to make any money from it. I'm probably going to lose money from it. But I don't really care. In fact, if I make like the only thing I wanted to be able to do is pay the artist, which I mm. don't know if I'll be able to do. But I mean getting money for myself it doesn't seem it seems like it kind of contaminates it a little bit and it starts being in a situation where I'm asking acts to, to do the night and they're saying you know they're likely to say no because I can't give them any money and I'm like oh, I do all this stuff for free mm. and if someone offered for me to be in something like this I would jump at the chance because mm. it's something interesting it's something interesting to be involved in but because everybody has to make a living they they don't do things that are necessarily interesting to them. Like, so Jack, he jumps at the chance to do mm. stand-up tragedy because mm. it, it's not about the money for him. Mm. It's about making something, oh, that's an opportunity to do something interesting, I'll do something interesting. And I'm not been, I'm not meaning to diss anybody that says, no, I'll, I can put this out after the shows are over. <laughs> so I've got control of that. But, I mean, I just want, I just don't know how to feel, I don't know how to feel about money and art combined together. Because part of me wants the money to make the art, and part of me wants every all art to be free. Mm. Because then, like that's kind of what it is. Like when people wrote folk songs, they were shared, and now the internet is kind of sharing everything, but without people's permission. <laughs> you know, but but once there was never an idea that you would even copyright it. There mm. was never an idea that you would be able to, to control ideas in that way. Like that's only a relatively recent thing, I guess. It is, and um, I think yeah, the, the the thought of millionaire artists, it's kind of um, it's quite recent, isn't it? Really, yeah. it's, and I think it, I I do think it seems like a fad. I think it's almost like finished already. Mm. I I kind of don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Yeah, part of me thinks that too. I don't. I want it, I want a balance. I want it so that it's like you get a wage, mm. but you don't get rich. Because I think that actually ruins a lot of artists as well. When you look at most like artists, the reason their first album is good is because they were hungry <laughs> and, they, yeah. and they wanted to make good stuff. But yeah. then, they, then they suddenly have money and then they got loads of drugs and then they make lesser albums, I think, quite often. Or for a, for a while. I and I guess, I guess the problem is when money gets involved, there's always a compromise, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is. And, and Let, so should we end on a, a, a less than a, a, a bit, something a bit more upbeat than, than down, selling yeah. out? You can't. Let's let's something, let's that's something that's say. That's quite funny as well. It's gone that way from a pl- for, from. Have you got anything to plug? This is the final <laughs> question. All the way through to like, oh, there's no hope for art. Um, well, I think uh, well, like uh, a bank. You know, just going back back to apples for everyone. Back in the day when we went to band camp, which was yes, an awesome experience. It was an awesome experience. We had a big discussion about selling out, didn't we? Because I think some people were like, "Ah, oh, no, let's never sell out." But I was like, "Bullshit! Let's let's, let's sell out. At the, let, let's try and you know sell out the, the peak." No, I, I would probably sell out. To be fair. Oh, I would sell out without a doubt. But here's my rule: like, I'll only sell out if I get to make what I'm. Like if I yeah. if, if on my own terms, so I I I will only set like if anybody wants to pay me any money to do what I do, then that's great. But if somebody wants me to completely change what I do, then I won't. So that's yeah. that that's the like when people talk about selling out, they don't make that distinction enough. They don't say, well, are you getting 
paid to do what you would have done anyway, but with a bigger budget. Like, I, <laughs> I'd love to get an orchestra in. Like, uh, if it didn't have to be me playing on my keyboard, if I could get an orchestra in, brilliant. That's not would selling you, out. Would you, just... would you stand in the shower and uh, sing the body form song for pay? No. <laughs> that's the thing. I, I, would, I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd sell out uh, in that respect. I'd have advertisers on the show, for example, but I would only have advertisers that I could stand behind, I think. I would probably do a Timothy advert. You do a Timothy advert. Yeah, I, I was standing there all for. There was a Timothy, wasn't there? There was a Timothy advert back in the day that was shown really late at night, where the woman had no like no bra on. What? I remember seeing that when I was a kid. I was amazed. a porno Timothy. No, it was advert. just like topless. But yeah, I think it was Timothy. It was one of from the, the back. No, Surely. No, 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 from the front. Yeah, but no nipples. It was only, yeah, no, it was nipples. But no was way! Really yes, I'm bollocks. sure. I'm sure I saw this. Yeah. <laughs> Your fevered yeah. imagination is I'm, I'm run sure. wild. I'm sure. Well, <laughs> listeners can, can 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 email in and tell me if this is the case. I think you're confusing a Timothy advert with Red Shoe Diaries. No, it wasn't. It was on like. <laughs> was it narrated by David Duchovny? It was, it was on ITV and it was in between programs. <laughs> well, there we go. That was that's a relatively. It's a, it's a lighter note than we we were ending before, but we should yeah. probably end because we have gone quite over time. But I think oh. that's not too bad. Only 20 minutes over time. But cool. I don't think that's too bad because I think it got... As we drank more wine, the conversation flowed uh, more, as as, <laughs> as tends to be the way with wine. Yes. So um, the last thing I ask people to do is to say goodbye to the audience, which is a weird one. That is weird, isn't it? People are like, oh, what an audience now. And then they all go, oh, hang on, people are hearing this. So suddenly I have to imagine that this little machine is actually, I guess... Uh, this is Ollie. I'm uh, sat here with Dave. We're signing off. This is the end of the interview, and um, it's been uh, it's been interesting. We haven't really. It's been more about my um, my likes and dislikes, and my interests than I've expected. I, I, I was expecting you to hit me with some like you know, <laughs> did you ever have a gay moment type of uh, question? I, I don't really cross examine uh, people. I don't cross examine people. No, you know that's that's there, nice. There that's are, nice. I mean, the thing is, when there are people that you know, you either don't know what to ask them or you know the things that you shouldn't ask them and then you don't <laughs> ask them those questions because you don't want to put them in a situation where they have to say, cut that. Mm. I'm not saying that you're one of those people. I'm just saying... No, no. Cut that. <laughs> Do you actually mean cut that? Um, I, I don't know. I was being... That was a, a joke. <laughs> yeah, I had to clarify that because when I come back, I have to be kind of like... Sorry, I, keep, I keep the joke cut that in. And on that note... Uh, goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> wow, a lot of things have changed since this conversation was recorded. This is one that was recorded a long, long time ago, really. Since then, I've seen Community. I really like it. It didn't get cancelled then, but I think it's being cancelled now. I lost my job, which you can find out more about over at davepickerinblog.blogspot. And I've gone freelance. I'm no longer working with kids. And you can find out more about my freelancing at www.davepickeringstoryteller.co.uk. Also, since then, Ollie's got married. So congratulations to Ollie and Serena. That show, Stand Up Tragedy, I was talking to Ollie about all those years ago. It's been happening for three years. And... We're currently doing a crowdfunding campaign to help us to go up to the Edinburgh Festival again this year. Please consider supporting that, particularly if you've enjoyed the free 
art that I've given you through this podcast. A great way of giving back to me for those free hours is to support Stand Up Tragedy going up to Edinburgh. Because if we don't raise the money, it comes out of my pocket and I lost my job and I haven't got very deep pockets at the moment. So I really could do with your help. We're a podcast as well and you can find out more about Stand Up Tragedy at www.standuptragedy.co.uk Our next live show is on the 9th of July at the Black Heart in Camden. That's called Tragic Misadventures and you can buy tickets for that through our crowdfunding campaign which you can find at bit.ly forward slash tragic fringe.